Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. On this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. And today we're here to talk about chapters 61 and 62, Children of Dune, just as soon as we unveil our imperial plan for our imperium. Period. That's, we're gonna, we're gonna tell everyone (laughs) and they're gonna like it or else. I mean, they have to. They so, have no other choice. <laughs> we are literally these. This is there's two chapters this week, and then it's the last two chapters. Mm-hmm. And one's effectively an epilogue, but we'll count yeah. it. Oh my gosh! Uh, yep, here we are, pretty much hope, at the end of Children of Dune. I hope no one was super excited to find out what happened to Ghani after she got kidnapped last time, because we're not going to find out at all. <laughs> literally, we're just going to be like, surprise, she's fine. Yeah, she's fine. It's not in this chapter yet, but I mean, spoiler alert, she's fine. <laughs> she just kind of shows up. Well, more than that later, but it's just, there's this big cliffhanger of her getting abducted, and then it's like, and Ghani, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Exit stage left. <laughs> and back. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so where, do, where are we picking up this week? Uh, Leto's thinking his thoughts. Yeah. Uh, we get some real gross descriptions of, <laughs> uh, some stuff about him. But first, oh my gosh, first. Oh boy. Parkalata has got so much to say. He has dropped a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just his spoken word poetry, so it's not actually oh, a mixtape anyone wants. Right. Like, oh, Harkalata, thanks. <laughs> for this you shouldn't have it's like oh my ex-boyfriend used to make me read his poetry oh no and it was all <laughs> it was all subpar bukowski oh god uh which uh, i mean uh, all bukowski <laughs> but <laughs> there was just like and and he was one of those that you would read it and he would be watching your every facial expression like, oh is, no. is this, like, reaching so, you? So, you, you're saying you have a pretty good poker face. An excellent, excellent poker face. <laughs> good. Mwah. I cannot play poker because I don't understand the rules, but I have a very good poker face. <laughs> well, that's what matters. Exactly. <laughs> Just stand there with cards going, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but no one knows I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, this week we get a bit from The Prescient Vision by Harkalata. Muad'Dib gave us a particular kind of knowledge about prophetic insight, about the behavior which surrounds such insight and its influence upon events which are seen to be, quote, online, end quote. That is, events which are set to occur in a related system which the prophet reveals and interprets. As has been noted elsewhere, such insight operates as a peculiar trap for the prophet himself. He can become the victim of what he knows, which is a relatively common human failing. The danger is that those who predict real events may overlook the polarizing effect brought about by overindulgence in their own truth. They tend to forget that nothing in a polarized universe can exist without its opposite being present. Thanks, Harkalata. Mm. It was intense. The prophet spending all his time online. 
<laughs> Typical. <laughs> That's what they, like, poor Leto. Like, I wish that they had the internet, because then he could have just joined some <laughs> chat rooms, like a forum. Yeah. Spend some time chatting. With who? The other, the other uh, worms? <laughs> I don't know. He could just <laughs> pretend he was somebody else. That's the whole point. Just, you know, go on Discord and talk about Minecraft. <laughs> I don't know. He's nine. <laughs> That's what the nine-year-olds are into. I'm hip. I'm a hip aunt. I know what nine-year-olds are into, and it's Minecraft. Somewhere my nephews are like, oh, we don't like Minecraft anymore. Like, shh, Minecraft. Kids like Minecraft. Uh... <laughs> There's no Minecraft, sadly. No, you know, does sadly. not have have a PlayStation. Uh, he's just alone in the desert. He's just kind of having some existential crises, honestly. He's just um, having some thoughts. Yeah. He's he he's now feeling that he's not human anymore. Like it's finally <laughs> this is it. Like he knows. Yeah. This description was kind of graphic because it was like the. Um, what do they call the little f- things on the uh, sand trout? Cilia. Yeah, the little cilia is like now into all of his organs, and yeah, like, it's changing him, and he's changing them, and they're becoming something different. And he's not quite human anymore, and feeling kind of disconnected from his humanity. Yeah, and realizing that you know he could just walk away into mm-hmm. the desert. He only keeps what he needs. Uh, so he has his robe and the Atreides signet ring and then just kind of everything else. Like, he's the skin on his on his back, so he could just leave, but he can't. Um, he remembers uh, Duncan's words from way back at the beginning of Dune when he talks very lovingly about the Fremen and says that there are no greedy Fremen and Leto thinks there are lots of greedy Fremen now. Nowadays, yeah. Thanks, Mordeeb. Yeah, the... Thanks for ruining the everything. The Fremen of Mordeeb's time are a very different creature from the current, you know, present day in this scenario, Fremen. Uh, he's realizing that... Uh, what they keep referring to as uh, Kralizek, which is kind of like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, more the, like a Ragnarok. What, what they call it? The Typhoon Wind or something? The Typhoon Struggle. Oh, there we go. And then the Preacher shows up and he doesn't know why he still thinks of him as the Preacher. But he doesn't think that you know, he's not really Maudib or Paul Atreides anymore. So mm. can't can't just call him dad. Yeah. Uh, he's done too much spice. That's why uh, Paul looks so old now, because he's been doing... T- you can do too much spice, and that's going to make See, you... I thought that the spice was supposed to uh, preserve life and make you younger. It does. Apparently not. But I think you can also do too much, too much hard spice. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. He's not just drinking a little, you know little tea every morning like like shazam was right i almost called him shazam <laughs> shazam, shazam. <laughs> emperor shazam 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 zachary that's Levy a joke is, that's a uh, joke for all the 55 year olds listening 
There's got to be a few. Yeah. I know there, I used to have so many jokes, like so many bits in my repertoire that were like that because I got them all from Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> yeah. And it was always like, I'll make a reference to this. And at least my mom will laugh. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I only understand this joke because my mom explained it to me, but she'll you laugh probably, if I say it. You'd probably kill in senior centers. Woohoo. <laughs> I, and they do a type five. I'll be honest. I would kill in more than one way because old men love me. Aw. Um... It's because I have a very old-fashioned face, I think. Aww. I'm, like, the prettiest girl of 1945, so <laughs> my whole life, when I used to work retail, it was, like, I would get so many, I would be checking people out, just be like, oh, what you doing later? Ha ha. I was like, oh, boy. Oh. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that, sir. I know. It's not. No, we don't do that now. Um, no, Nobody likes that. Uh, but, uh, so that's, that's Paul now. Mm-hmm. Just a withered old bean. And he's out here, uh, with Leto. They're going to have one last little chat. They're like, they talk about how Farad'n is now in Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gurney has let them know. And Leto says that he faces a difficult choice. And Paul's like, I thought you already made all the choices. Like, okay. Okay, call, let's calm down. Sass master. Like, can yeah. you bring it down? Like, you're living the old days. <laughs> I feel like this is Dune again. This isn't your mom you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> Be nicer she, to your son than you are your to child. your mother. Yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah, but we both know that that's a trap to think that you've always made every choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just like... Do you want to go back into the desert or do you want to go back to Arakeen and, you know, one, one last, one last show? Yeah. One last, uh, minis- ministry. And he says, you know, for Adam's here, which means your mom is here. Um, Paul's just like, I, I can't even think about that right now, <laughs> which is another thing that Leto kind of notices is, is different than he would have been as Maudib because Maudib would have never hesitated like that he would have never showed that he was nervous at the idea of seeing Jessica mm-hmm. but you know Leto says look my sister's an Arakeen I have to go but you don't have to go like you can just stay here you know you can go out with Gurney to the desert and Paul says no I'm gonna go with you and Gurney's in a fun, fun, you know, conversation to have with your dad, uh, <laughs> Paul says, so Gurney's not going with us. And Leto says, no, I want Gurney to survive. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I know. I, I When I got to that part, I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Some kid you got there, Paul. Yeah. The non-child who was his son. <laughs> He's, uh... Okay, it, he refers to how he's feeling as the sandy juice of his fears. I know! <laughs> what the fuck, Frank? <laughs> Frank, you gotta calm down. I'm sorry, excuse me? The who? <laughs> of Frank's, the what? <laughs> Frank's writing poetry. Yeah. Sandy, sandy juice. juice. 
That's my no. burlesque name. <laughs> I mean, it works as a burlesque name. It and does. I think it, it works as a drag name. So, but, but as the a sandy juice of his fears. <laughs> okay. Don't like mm. it. I don't like it. It's it's one of those things that's so descriptive, but also means absolutely nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's patting a word count right there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a, an interesting. I mean, it's definitely an interesting turn of phrase, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, what does this mean exactly? Yeah, like you read it and you're like, oh, the sandy juice of his fears. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And I mean, there's. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to act like Frank Herbert is the only author who does this. Like I think yeah, we discussed no. before there is, there are piles of things in Stephen King novels that I'm like, is that <laughs> oh. a phrase? Is <laughs> yes. that a phrase? I mean, granted all language is made up. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> someone in a Stephen King novel has definitely had the sandy juice of their fears. Oh, for sure. And then they probably like wet themselves. Cause <laughs> that's a recurring theme. In you fear. know, this is, uh, it's actually you it's funny you mentioned this because it's been on my mind a lot because at the end of the current season of stranger things uh there's a scene where one of the kids is reading the talisman which mm. as you know is my favorite stephen king mm-hmm. novel uh so i've been sort of like every n- <laughs> every night after my edibles kick in i will <laughs> go and like watch youtube videos that's like people reacting to uh, you know first impressions of these books and that that one's my absolute favorite i love reaction videos Me oh my too. gosh i don't care you know what i know most of these are young people that are just experiencing these things for the first time that's what makes it so fun I like reaction videos and I like those TikToks that are just ads for items where it's ladies going to their apartments and they have all kinds <laughs> of gadgets. Yeah, I mean, those, it's becoming a, an unhealthy obsession every time they're on. I'm like, if when they start doing 10 minute TikToks, I'm going to be here all day watching those videos. Yeah, just like, oh, she's got a special little washer for her socks. Okay, Mm -hmm. I need to see this happen. I know how washers work, but I'm going to watch this one. (laughs) This is, I mean, this is why we had a Butlerian jihad. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, at some point. Well, I, oh my gosh, speaking of, okay, this is so stupid. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> an ad, I think I saw an ad on Twitter today, and I don't know if it was a joke or something, but it was a little robot. It's like it looks like a little a little refrigerator. It's like a little white box on okay. wheels. And you put your stuff in it and it follows you around. <gasps> so you can live your life on foot is what is what the tagline was. And I was like, this cannot be real. But I scrolled away and did not uh, look into it any further. <laughs> um, how, me Googling how much tiny robot <laughs> on wheels. Because uh, I'm not going to lie, that sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, I guess. But I, I you know, Butlery and Jihad. I mean, uh, do I have to talk to it? I guess not. Okay, no one... No, I'm not talking about the Brave Little Toaster. Oh, I hate you. (laughs) Search algorithm. Yeah. Why won't you tell me anything? (laughs) Ever. 
I'll have to I'll have to scroll through my Twitter and see if I can come across it again. But um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, I like it. But also, yeah, I mean, I think we all live in fear. But also, it sounds so cute. I oh, mean, yeah, it's now it's just looking up robotic litter boxes. So <laughs> we have one of those. <laughs> Speaking of robots that will one day overthrow us. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that it hasn't yet, I think we're probably safe. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, it, my, the biggest problem for me will be not when they make robots, but how cute they make them. Because mm -hmm. I'm a sucker for a cute robot. Yeah. If they make it adorable, mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, oh, you could live at my house. I think they're still, to me, it's like babies. Like, a baby can be cute, but I still don't want to get too close to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I am with robots, I think. That's why I don't even have Alexa in my house. Like, I will not. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's... You start getting, like... I... It's so obnoxious. But I get bothered if people don't thank Alexa. But that's how I know I'm going to survive. <laughs> I plan to survive by not importuning them <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> but I mean, I recently bought a little plastic crab that holds one pen. So mm -hmm. if they make a robot cute, I'm going to be like, well... <laughs> you're cute actually i saw that uh in a reddit thread today so people are using that little crab to hold their joints and it's very cute i can see that i can see that yeah you just it when i got it it was like at first even i was like oh my god i can't believe i bought this like it doesn't even it's not <laughs> like it holds like several pens you put one pen on it but then i put the pen on it and i was like oh yeah it's very cute <laughs> <laughs> you're helping me <laughs> uh but now we've just been beating around the bush because the yeah. next chapter is a whammy yeah i mean the hits come hard and fast in this one and there's a lot of them. Yes. And so, I'm not just speaking in metaphor here. There are some no, act, there's there's some actual hitting. hitting. Yeah. Uh, so we start with another epigraph, another little excerpt from our boy, the, our boy Harkalata. Yes. From his biography of Leto Atreides too, which that's a long book, but um. Mm. <laughs> um. All right. The child who refuses to travel in the father's harness, this is the symbol of man's most unique capability. I do not have to be what my father was. I do not have to obey my father's rules or even believe everything he believed. It is my strength as a human that I can make my own choices of what to believe and what not to believe, of what to be and what not to be. Which is one kind of beautiful... But also, it spoils down to, I don't want your life. <laughs> um, and also, like, I can believe, <laughs> I choose what not to believe. Sounds like some anti-masker, <laughs> anti-vax shit right there. I, well, I, I just don't to. believe you. I don't have to. I'm an adult. Uh, what? <laughs> Is Leto Atreides anti-vax? I don't know. Well, um, I mean... 
find a disease that could kill him, you can't. Well, he can't get that's that's what it comes down to is he can't get mm-hmm. sick. So he's just like, what do I have to do this for? <laughs> I got vaccinated, so it's not my problem. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we start off some dancing ladies. Yeah, we got some pilgrim ladies. Pilgrim ladies have shown up and they are dancing. Uh, Alia is watching them from her balcony. Mm-hmm. We do find out in little bits what happened after Ghani was kidnapped, namely that Dilgar killed Agarvis. Yeah. Which is what Alia wanted him to do. Yeah. And now he and Arulin are cooling their heels in the uh, in the pokey there. And Agarvis led Ghani's kidnappers to her. He didn't know this. She had Alia put a tracker in his boot. She gave him some new boots and they were poison poison boots full of trackers yeah um <laughs> so she's also got Ghani. she's going to supervise his first meeting with Ghani soon and her plan is that Ghani is going to kill him and mm-hmm. then in this horrible aftermath who's going to be there to pick up all the pieces right oh yeah <laughs> uh she is watching the front the town fremen getting just dis- like all dis- distracted by the dancing ladies we should mention too that the dancers isn't it part of the uh, <clears throat> sort of the ceremony with the uh, Faradin being there? Well, they're they've dedicated this dance to Alia, so I think mm-hmm. their point is that they're just going to dance until they drop. Oh, um, okay. They are from Ix, mm-hmm. but Alia is she full on is being snarky to herself because people mm-hmm. from Ix don't even know that the name of their planet is a number. Right. Which, uh, uh, that's not their fault. Like, <laughs> damn. So she's just like enjoying the show and thinking, good, let these people wear themselves out. At least then they can't do violence. And then who comes <laughs> waltzing in to the yeah. Oh, and there's a lot of refugees there too from yes. the from the sitches that mm-hmm. have been that Leto has destroyed. And here comes the preacher. Here comes the preacher with his She's young like, guide, who is nobody knows is Leto. And she's just like, "Why? Are Why you now? Doing this? Come yeah. on." Uh, she gets annoyed. The word preacher is so much in this chapter that it stops to look, stops looking like a word, by the way. Mm-hmm. When I was reading it, I was like, what? So she calls Zia her, her, her guard. Yeah. And she's just like, what? Cause Faradin is there. Faradin is there with Jessica and some bodyguards. And she's like, well, why is he here? And they're claiming it's because Alia has the best view. And yeah. And he wants to see the preacher, but she knows that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's just like, okay, like we we both know that's a lie. So what she wants, so I also like that she's like Zia, come here, I want to talk to you. And Zia comes like kind of close, but not too close, because even she's like, <laughs> yeah. So she wants Faradin, the guards, and Jessica all brought in, and then she wants Ghani all dressed up like for her wedding which means yeah. she'll have a Chris knife and then bring her in. And Zia's and, like, are ooh. you sure about that? And she's just like, 
bring her in and send five priests out to the plaza to talk to the preacher. Uh, I just want them to talk to him. Don't use any force. Right. And then bring in the preacher and Ghani at the same time. Like, she's she's bringing the drama. She's like, yeah. I want everyone brought in at once. It's going to be super great. This is a good old-fashioned, like, Real Housewives kind of drama dramatic reveal. And she's just so excited. She's like, this is going to be great. <laughs> um, going to make a little chaos. Yeah, she's like, you know, Paul's going to be here. His daughter's going to kill Farodin. And, you know, awesome. <laughs> so Jessica comes in. It's Jessica, Farodin, uh, Tycanic. Yeah. And uh, welcome back, Tycanic. She says, everyone come up and take a look. And then she fully has a moment where she checks out her own cousin. Yeah, she's like, mm, I can have a little fun with him. Like, oh, yeah, I know you're possessed, but like, ooh. Yeah. Enough with the cousins. I mean, I know you're there to plan to marry your niece to her cousin because he's her cousin <laughs> too but like ugh, at least that's a little that's a step removed <laughs> this is your literal first cousin yeah i know that's a thing places but not in the way i was raised no, that no, idea no. to me is bleh. yeah i mean i'm southern but i'm not that southern um you know you're not a wilkes right so the preacher's preaching uh he's being very inflammatory. He's being extremely inflammatory. She kind of thinks he's taking credit for all the destruction that's been going on in the desert. Uh, lots of wild beasts lie upon your land. Doleful creatures are in your houses. Um, but no, he's he's dispensing some of that good old time Fremen religion. Like Shihalud. Yeah. yeah. Like not not Mwadib, Shihalud. That's who you should be worshipping. Yeah, one of the refugees says, you know, help us, Mwadib. And he's like, you got to help yourselves. Yeah. I need no more help from Mwadib. Uh, Ollie is just like, well, this is going to start a friggin' riot. Like, oh, man, like, mm -hmm. the priests need to go down and get him. Uh, he keeps on going. There's fists shaking. Like, it's, it's old school. Yeah. And he says, one blasphemy remains. And the name of that blasphemy... Is Alia. Oof. Which even Alia wasn't expecting. She's like, what? Yeah. Mm. Excuse me? Which, I mean, yeah, Alia's not not great at the moment. But, I mean, whose fucking fault is that? And this is no too much. No responsibility. No responsibility from any of these fuckers. Sorry, I'm mad. No, no, it's, no, <laughs> believe me, I'm tempering. Tempering. And that's too much for the priests. The priests are like, you cannot talk that way about Alia. The womb of heaven. Right. Ooh. And so they stab and kill the preacher. Yep. And. Yeah, yeah this is a point because so someone starts screaming. They've killed Muad'Dib. Alia says God's below. And Jessica's response is, it's a little late what for that. What did you expect? Yeah, she's like. She's kind of in a, what did you expect? And Ollie is like, don't you know who that was, dumbass? Like, that was your son. Like, that was your son. I mean, did Jessica really not know? 
she, it seems like she, cause she says that her, her thinking is that someone just told her something she already knew, but like, I don't think she was letting herself believe it. Hmm. Like, I think yeah. everyone kind of knows, but, like, no one is letting themselves, like, accept it. Yeah. Uh, Farad's got kind of Patner. Yeah. Uh, and now, thinks, yeah, now Jessica's I, like, well, I could hear Paul in the preacher's voice. Like, I, I couldn't see it before. I was blinded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ollie's like, all right, you know what? Bring in Ghani. And Jessica's like, what? Kind of hard to hear from you know, a, a galaxy away, but whatever. And then, all right, here we go. <laughs> so Alia says, bring in Ghani. And they go to open the door, which is locked. It's a huge locked barred door. Yeah. A big and security door. The door blows in. Yeah. It just <laughs> comes right off its hinges. And the bodyguards all leap into position, but who should be standing behind this door but Ghani in her wedding dress, effectively, mm-hmm. and yeah. Plato! Yeah! Together again. New weird still suit. And Ollie's just like, uh, what? <laughs> so Ghani is basically like, I'm gonna kill this guy. Like, I got my knife. Looking at Faradin. Like, gonna kill him. But Lita's like, no, hold on. Because Ghani still is, is, she, like, doesn't comprehend that her brother is there yet. Yeah, she's kind of bespilled at the moment. Uh, Lita says, behold me, family, which is how I'm going to enter every family gathering from now on. (laughs) Behold me, family. And my family will say, no. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Uh, he says he is the Lion of the Atreides, and here is the Lioness. We have come to set you on such a nibui. I, why? These little words <laughs> I cannot say. The golden path. And those are the trigger words. Yes. That, the, that activates Scani. Yeah. Brings her back. She's Jason Bourne. Um, <laughs> oh my and... God, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic it's like yes obviously it is like, why is this written in a movie where's Clive Owen do get the headaches uh, look at what they make you give uh, so then Ghani's just like whoa hold on and so it turns out that all these months that she has been sort of suppressed have been really mm-hmm. good for her development because it has suppressed all of the voices and allowed them to be kind of yeah. guarded by by Chani. Yeah, she sort of learned a trick of of protecting herself. Yeah. And she turns I like this scene cuz she turns to her brother to explain what she's just learned and then kind of realizes, "Wait, my brother is here." <laughs> then Holy she's like, shit. Did, "Did we win? <laughs> yeah. Did it work?" <laughs> She did our plan work? And Ollie's just like, okay, whoa, hold on. So she says to her guards to seize them. And then Leto picks up this freaking door with one arm and throws it at him. Just hucks this door at these guards. (laughs) The door weighed half a metric ton. Everyone's just like, this kid's scary. (laughs) Jessica's just like, what? Ollie realizes that there's all kinds of like fallen guards in the hallway that Leto must have just taken out on his way in. Yeah. 
So Jessica says, well, what plan are you talking about? He says, the Golden Path, our Imperial plan for our Imperium. That would make sense. Yep. That would be what an Imperial plan was for. Thank you. Sure. Uh, if I was editing this, I'd say, no, Leto. <laughs> uh, he also is just like, sup, Faradin. Um, This is for you, too, because Ghani was going to kill you and Ali was going to let her. Yeah. And <laughs> the guards will not come in the room. And so Leto heads over to Alia, who pulls out her knife, but they just, uh, she, she lunges at him with his knife, so he jumps up to mm-hmm. the ceiling and kicks her in the head. Yeah. Mm. Then she goes to kick him, which we're told that this kick she was trying to do could disembowel could a disembowel man. disembowel a man. Because I guess she's like an emu. Yeah. I was like, what kind of talons she got on those feet? She's a cassowary, and we just didn't know this whole time. Get a pedicure. (laughs) But uh, he catches her leg and picks her up by the foot and swings her around and throws her across the room. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's not as short as you're making it sound. In the book, in the book, he's like describing it as like, and then he picked her up and he spun her around and around and around, and she yes. just kept screaming. And it's like Jesus Christ! And he swings <laughs> her around until she gets quiet, and that's right. And then he puts her down and he says, "I could have thrown you through a wall, but you yeah. deserve a chance." And a now, yeah. and now, now of all Plato times, has the audacity. The Atreides audacity to say, I've learned how to conquer the inner lives. And so has Ghani. We could teach you now. You yeah. do this now. Yeah. <laughs> After she's nice. been doing terrible things because she's been tormented for years. Yeah. Literal years. And now you guys are like, oh, did we not tell you the trick? <laughs> and I get that Ghani just learned it, but like these two have been marching around just like, teehee, we have all these lives inside us, but it's super cool. We can just pull it out at whim and be yeah. funny and learned. And bother everyone. And yeah, we're just bugging people <laughs> left and right. And now to be like, oh, you know, we could give you a hand with that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about this. Uh, Ghani's just like, yeah, I can show you. But then Alia starts speaking in voices. Yeah. Lots of different voices. And then, like, she starts speaking in her little Alia voice to Jessica. And it's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, she, she is, you know, everyone's just like, oh my god, she's possessed. Like, this is what's happening. And then she turns to her uh, yeah she turns to Jessica and she says well why is everyone looking at me like that mother make them stop and all Jessica can do is shake her head because she's so horrified because she's mom of the year yeah and she's just like well shit the Benny Gesserit were right turns out it's bad to drink the water of life when you're pregnant (laughs) dang whoops oopsie Uh, Leto says do we have to have a trial of possession? And then Alia starts speaking in the Baron's voice and everyone's just like, ew. Mm-hmm. Jessica doesn't say anything. So Leto says it's his decision. And 
he gives Ollie the choice and he he breaks the window. So like yeah. the window is like, you know, crystal glass and he he has broken it and he says you can either have a trial possession or like points at the window. <laughs> See yourself out. <laughs> yeah. Uh Ghani screams at the Baron to let her make her own choice. Alia, again, in her regular, like, little girl, like, 13-year-old voice, says, Mother, what do you want me to do? Uh, help me. Leto says, help yourself. And she throws herself out of Fuck the Fuck you. Fuck you, Leto. And this is a hard scene in the miniseries when at least mm-hmm. it's like someone reasonably close to her own age saying all this to her a nine-year-old mm-hmm. yeah like little kid i don't need this i'm looking at you i'm doing that like two finger eye thing even though this is not a video yeah. podcast <laughs> in front of your mother no less like who she is begging to help her and who is just like Ugh. <laughs> who's this is like gross oh. and scary <laughs> mistakes were made she doesn't even scream nope. when she throws herself out of the window, but they hear the crowd shouting. And then Lido looks at Jessica and says, we told you to pity her. And Jessica's response is to bury her face in Faradin's tunic. Because she's got herself a new kid. Yeah. Ah! Which is, hey, good timing since all of her other kids are dead. Yeah, all your other kids are dead. Uh, no thanks to your fantastic mothering. And yeah. we love you, Jessica, but you're not that great at being a mom. And yeah. let's um, just hope that, you know, it's a good thing that Faradin is already kind of grown and <laughs> yeah, doesn't like, have to actually, like, rely on her for any kind of emotional support. <laughs> kind of isn't looking for a new mom because his sucked. So he's yeah. just sort of like, yeah, no, whatever. But, um, I mean... Good lord. Also, <laughs> oh, and I've just realized that Faradin's not actually related to any of them, but he's still their cousin. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I've decided that, you know, it counts. Oh, sure. Well, if your stepmom I mean, is your stepmom since you were a baby, that's your cousin. But no, 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 because mm-hmm. uh, the emperor was also cousin to Leto. Well, I mean, that is such a... They're all freaking cousins. So they're all kind of cousins. They're all kind of related. I mean, this is what happens when you have this kind of society that's, you know, with, like, nobility and stuff. You're going to have, like, in this feudalist society, there's going to be a lot of overlap. Family trees of Dune. Yeah. (laughs) They don't diverge as much as they should. They are a wreath. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so, and thus passes, you know, one of my favorite characters in all of literature. And, ah! Mm-hmm. It's so infuriating. Yeah. And it's so sad. And the miniseries makes it sadder. Yeah, it does. Uh, So at least we're spared that in the text, like, Frank. Just, I don't know, yeah. though. I, I don't know. Like, reading this again, I don't know. It hit me so much harder. Oh. Than the miniseries death did. I, I don't know. I think it's actually this might be sadder. Because she doesn't even get like to speak for herself in the that's end. That's true. No, that's the true. The way she does in the miniseries. I'm just it's, touched it's, by the one in the miniseries. It's a horror. 
as many jokes as we make, her in the miniseries, mm-hmm. her last words being that she wants her brother. Because yeah. to be honest, like he was the only person who ever like gave a damn about her. Yeah. Um, you know, but <sighs> just that she's begging Jessica for help, and Jessica's just basically like, "Ooh, you got weird." <laughs> yeah. It's what happened um, to you, kiddo? Infuriating. It is. And that's, and when we said stuff starts happening and it just keeps happening, this is what we Mm -hmm. meant. Because the next two chapters are basically just like, well, let's clean up this mess. Yep. Um, Yeah. But that was that chapter. Uh, R.I.P. Alia. R.I.P. Alia. We loved you. You you was done dirty, girl. Mm -hmm. You never had a chance. No. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe she might have. Yeah, if these kids have been like, hey, we know this cool trick that's called or having decent voices inside you. Paul had had some measure of responsibility, or Jessica. Yeah, because I find it impossible to think that if nothing else, like, you know, excising Jessica from the equation because she had left, mm. that Paul couldn't have, like, put that big brain to some use Figuring well, I mean, out she some had way to Duncan. Help yeah, I married you off when you were 15 to my buddy, so, like, whatever, man. I gotta go yeah. out in the desert. I got shit going on. <laughs> but it's just the fact that, like, for her entire childhood, you know, there's the initial concern when she's mm-hmm. born that everyone's just like, well, this is why we don't, this is why we don't drink when we're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then all of her... You know, idiosyncrasies are just like brushed aside when she's little by her family. Like everyone else is, except Hara is like, ooh, something's up with this kid. And they're all just like, oh, that's just Alia. Like she's a toddler, but she talks like she's 25. Like it's cute. Mm-hmm. But at no point do they ever stop and think, like, well, possibly we could look into some ways to like deal with this situation. Like, there's got to be something that's not just, well, we kill them. But no one ever does. Like, no one ever does. Nope. You know, she's cutting throats in the battlefield, and we're all just like, yeah, what you do, you're a Fremen kid. Yeah. But, you know, they never stop to think throughout the amount of time between, you know, when we see her at the end of Dune, when she's, like, six, to... Dune Messiah when she's a you know a teen detective, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then it's like so nowhere in that intervening time was anyone like what should we do about Alia? Like we need to talk right. about Alia. Like did Paul never like reach out to Jessica and be like, hey mom, <laughs> you want to come get your kid <laughs> that you left me with? <clears throat> yeah. Like, we're one of those families that has, like, 25 kids, and so the older ones are all the parents, mm-hmm. effectively. Like, you kind of left me with my sister. You know, it surprises me because, like, did Alia never go to Kaladin, is what I I'm wondering. Know. I doubt she would have, like, because, you know, she was she's Fremen. so Fremen, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, that's kind of sad. She wouldn't have been able to handle the humidity. (laughs) 
She'd get off the ship and just be like, uh. <laughs> like, this is the worst. Why is this happening? <laughs> so I, I doubt it. I doubt she ever did. I doubt that Jessica ever did more than just send the occasional note. Yeah, it sucks, man. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, so that's this chapter. Yeah, <laughs> We're yeah. ending on a huge bummer of a note. Just sorry for that. Can't be helped. Biggest. Can't be helped. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we're going to put a pin in it here then in that case. And mm-hmm. uh, let's move on. Megan, do you have anything to plug this week? Uh, over at the spool, I reviewed the first part of the four-part miniseries, Flowers in the Attic, The Origin, on oh. Lifetime. I reviewed the first one, just, um, and then I also wrote kind of a corresponding piece that is a rundown of the first four Lifetime Dollinganger Saga movies, in case you missed yeah. any of those or need a refresher. Uh, interspersed with some, you know, some personal, personal feelings. BC <laughs> Andrews and me. Yeah. <laughs> so those are over at the spool. Uh, yeah. And yeah, go catch up. And you're going to be on an episode of Kill by Kill coming up, I believe. Yes, I will be on Kill by Kill. We are talking about the movie Predator. Ooh. Very exciting. Good film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a piece up right now. I don't know how many, how many people will be interested in this, but it is about the new Netflix uh, adaptation of Persuasion. I had a lot of things to say about it. it made me very angry in a lot of ways. <laughs> but the fan culture makes me even angrier. Yes. Like... I- as someone that has a podcast where, you know, we're talking about books that this series that I am undoubtedly a fan of. Mm-hmm. Like, I would call myself a fan, but like fandom in and of itself is like a whole nother thing. And I would not consider myself in a Dune fandom. No. You know what I mean? No, I think we're sort of yeah. in a Dune fandom of two. And, you know, yeah. and our, I think our, our friends on Twitter, for the most part, if I would say mm-hmm. if we were going to have a fandom, I would mm-hmm. mostly want to be lumped in with those fine folks as opposed to some other. Yeah. Folks that I well, the here's internet. the thing is like, it, it's remarkable how disgusting <laughs> fandom gets these days. I mean, uh, yes, people get so cruel and so like hideously racist and um you know, doxing people and stuff or, (laughs) oh, how dare you not like my ship or whatever. It's just like, I can't imagine feeling that way about Dune. There was a recent, this just happened this week. There was a creator on TikTok who did Star Mm -hmm. Wars TikToks who was recently discovered to be pretty homophobic in their personal beliefs in life and had, you know, had let some of that leak out into what they were doing, which is how people, you know, figured it out. And so like stuff like that, it's like, that's one thing it's like, well, obviously it's, it's kind of good that the whole fandom seemed to rally around like, well, we don't want that kind of energy, but you get, yeah. Like you were saying, like people 
who will invent something. And this was something that we've discussed, I think, in the past with the supernatural phantom. Like, people will invent mm-hmm. things in their head about yeah. the way they want a show or a book series or a movie to go. And when it doesn't, they get personally angry. Yeah. And that happens a lot. I've seen, yeah, with the Austin adaptations where it's just, well, but I like it when it's like this. And if it's yeah, not like and, this, then it's bad. And if you like it, then you are bad. And it's like, whoa, yeah, this see, is starting to spiral. Like, I can say, you know, as a, a person that watches films and television for my job, that, you know, this is not a good movie. But I'm not saying if you like it, you're stupid. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like, hey, if it makes one person pick up the book it's based on then I will consider it worth it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I have to be honest about how I feel about this thing, which is not Mm -hmm. favorably, but people are so fucking nasty about this stuff. You know, there were people that were like sharing like super racist memes, you know, about, you know, people of color being excited about this adaptation because it has colorblind casting. So... I don't know. It was a lot of nonsense, and I had some stuff to say about it, so. Yes, good stuff, by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, you know, I I do get in a good one every so often. (laughs) It's just not often that they, here's the thing about about, uh, this kind of media, is that most of it is just fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like most everything I watch, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And even, like, that's what makes reviewing so hard sometimes. Because I'm like, yeah, yeah, this was fine. It was fine. <laughs> I didn't yeah, love it, but I didn't so hate it. so frequently my reviews boil down to, well, it wasn't for me, <clears throat> but it might be for you. Yeah. Exactly. Like and I, like, in my piece about I get f- Flowers of the Attic, the origin, I made, uh-huh. like, I have one, like, really sharp re- reprimand about a plot trope that I think is lazy mm-hmm. and after I like wrote that I was just like oh Megan like I don't know that's a little harsh but I was like <laughs> no I'm keeping it in <laughs> well here's the thing is like when I come across something that makes me feel something <laughs> you know like yeah. either really positively or really negatively I get very excited about it because hey <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really engaged with this so well I found that for me that's I think that's what the, what it comes like the engagement is what's important because I think mm-hmm. the harshest I have been in reviews have been in shows that I'm recapping when they do something that is pers- like is disappointing yeah because it's like no I you know it's it's the old I was rooting for you <laughs> we were all rooting for you we were all rooting for you and then yeah. you decided to do this and mm-hmm. now you've destroyed all this goodwill that we built up whereas i feel like sometimes when you just see something on its own you're like well i i don't know what i'm basing this on so mm-hmm. i guess that's okay or not okay like ugh. yeah but yeah but something like this with an adaptation of something it's like well there's so many things it could have been and this is what and you that's chose the thing. It had so much potential, and I could see, like, it was so close to being a decent adaptation, but they just, the writing was so bad. Mm. (laughs) The writing was just appalling. So, 
you know, I apologize to, <laughs> to anyone that was really looking forward to that. And if people like it, then I'm happy for them. But I can't pretend that I did. And nor should you. Right. <laughs> Just like this chapter. <laughs> I can't uh, pretend. The Alia Actually, problem. It was a really good chapter to read, but it's no, it very hard at the stuff same is, time. Stuff is clicking along. Like, there's action. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot of great moments between characters. Yeah. And it's actually the most... Getting some we, resolution, too, yeah. you know? Like, not like the, the resolution we might have wanted, but... Of Alia's, like, inner workings that aren't just boiled down to, I could sleep with that. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, I mean, there's little of that, but, you know, <laughs> whom amongst us, whomst amongst us, <laughs> like, let's be honest, but, uh, yeah, so now I'm going to go and, I don't know, angrily drink tea or something. <laughs> well, that's quite, quite a paradox. Well, uh, so I guess that's going to do it for us this week, everybody. Uh, you know all the you know the drill at this point. We're over on Twitter at WeirdingPod. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes. Leave a five star if you are so inclined. It really helps us out. And uh, yeah, say if you want to us to cover anything specifically in our mini episodes where we're going through the Dune Encyclopedia, please reach out. Email us uh, WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your suggestions and, yeah, uh, talk about something by request. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Megan, and I think that'll do it today. I so believe so. Everyone, <laughs> until next time, everybody, be nice. Take, Take your, your spice. spice. Bye. Bye.